You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. The righteous shall live by his faith. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, I don't think we should fight about theology. I don't think we should argue about doctrine. I don't think we should fuss about the truth. It's more important that we love each other. That, dear saints, is the devil's voice. Jesus says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violence... Take it by force. The devil hates the church because the devil hates Jesus, and so the church is always, always under assault. It's always being threatened. Always. The fiery darts of the wicked one are being flung at the Lord's people, and his darts are deadly, for the devil knows exactly what is, what he's aiming for. It's hunting season. I know that. I know a few of you have been out hunting for elk or ducks and things like this. And I suspect that you could tell us that the aim matters. You're not going to take down an elk if you hit it in the foot. You aim for the heart. And the devil knows this. The devil aims his attack at the heart of the church at the thing that matters most. The devil, the devil attacks the doctrine. Now this might be a surprise for us because we know and feel daily the devil's temptation. And it feels to us like he's pushing us to sin, to rebellion, sin against the fourth commandment, to anger, sin against the fifth commandment, to lust, sin against the sixth commandment, to greed, sin against the seventh commandment, or to, uh, to lying, sin against the eighth commandment, or even to discontent, sin against the ninth and tenth commandments. We can sniff out the devil's work as he tries to bring discord in our own lives and in our families and into the church. But all of this work to tempt us to sin and to sin against love for one another, all of this is the devil's hobby, his real work. His real work is to bring false doctrine into the church. Because the devil knows that if a person doesn't know the gospel, then they are his. They belong to him. So the devil aims his arrow at the heart. He aims his arrow at the church's teaching. He aims his arrow at the beating heart of the church, which is the gospel. He shoots at the word of Jesus and His cross, and His death, and His blood, and His suffering in our place that gives His life. This is where the devil shoots. And if he can get his arrow in the heart, then he has brought death, not just to a person, but but to a church, to a community, to an entire generation. Now this fact, that the devil's chief assault is on the doctrine, has almost been completely forgotten in the church today. The importance of doctrine, that is, the importance of teaching, is neglected or even ridiculed. We're about deeds 
and not creeds. This is the new motto for the church. And this is conceding the contest to the devil without even a fight. But it's always been like this. Even in the time of the Reformation, there was this distinction. There, there was uh, hundreds of reformers in the church before Luther, after Luther. But their chief complaint uh, before and after, the chief complaint of all of the other reformers was that the Pope and his people lived ungodly lives. It was Luther who came along and said, no, that's not what matters. What matters is this. Uh, the, the Pope has an ungodly doctrine. Luther said about this, and I haven't been able to find this quote, this quotation. I've been looking for it, so if you come across it somewhere, then let me know. But Luther said about this, when, when I went after the doctrine, uh, while the others were grasping at the feathers, I grabbed the goose by the neck. Because that's what matters. The teaching. Most of the people, even at the time of the Reformation, were not interested in the teaching. And it is no different today. We live in an age that's marked by doctrinal indifference. An indifference to the teaching. An indifference to the doctrine. An indifference to the confession. And this indifference is spiritual bondage. This indifference is death. But while this is a desperate situation, we rejoice that Jesus has not left us on His own. Jesus, your Jesus, loves the church. That is, He loves you with a love that far surpasses the devil's hatred. Jesus loves you, and so He fights back against the devil to preserve the saving truth of His Word, to preserve for you His Gospel. Now this fight is the history of the church from Adam and Eve to this day and it will be the life of the church until Jesus returns in glory. It is a fight for truth which is the fight for salvation. From Adam to Noah to Abraham to Moses to David to John the Baptist the devil is fighting against the truth of the church. And Jesus fights back. And from Jesus to Peter and Paul and the early church, the devil is raging against the Gospel, but the Lord is bringing His mercy. Every book of the Bible, I think this is important, but perhaps neglected, but th this is important. And it's easy to see with the New Testament, maybe a little more difficult with the Old, but it's true for both Old and New Testament. Every single book of the Bible was written for the purpose of correcting theological error. Every book of the Bible is written because one of the devil's arrows had pierced through the armor of the church and had reached the heart and perverted the teaching, the saving truth of the gospel. And so the prophets and the apostles took up their pen to correct the false doctrine and bring to light the truth. And this fight continues. It continued through the early church and all of the Christological controversies. This is really when you read the history of the early church, this is what it's about. Who is Jesus? One after another false teacher would arise in the church, many of them in prominent places, bishops or pastors, and they would in one way or another deny the divinity of Jesus. That Jesus was one with God. Or they would deny the person of the Father or of the Son or of the Holy Spirit, something like this. And the creeds came out of these controversies forged in the depths 
of these arguments to state clearly what the Scriptures taught and refute the errors that came in. Now, the time of the Reformation was a time of fantastic theological controversy. There had accumulated in the church centuries of false teachings and traditions regarding salvation and the Scripture and the doctrine of the church and the doctrines of the sacraments, and these had to be tested in light of the Lord's truth. The chief question that was being asked at the time of the Reformation is, how does the Lord save a man? How does a person manage to be in heaven forever, in the resurrection before the face of Jesus? And from that answer, every bit of human work and human effort was removed. Salvation is the work of Jesus. It's His job to win forgiveness. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring that salvation to us. The Lord delivers to us His holiness. He declares us to be righteous and perfect in His sight. And He does this not when we do or work or act, but when we believe, when we trust His promise. And this is simply beautiful. But the fight for pure doctrine continued. Even in the time of Luther, in the time of the Reformation, there was a second wave of false doctrine. We, we think of uh, the Lutheran Reformation mostly as Luther standing against the Catholic Church, but that is only half the story. At first it was the Lutherans versus the Church of Rome, but then began a thousand different churches over here built around one or another of, of the different false doctrines. The biggest, I, and I would say, I think you can say this with confidence, the biggest controversy during the time of the Reformation was about the Lord's Supper. Teacher after teacher came into the church and denied the body and blood of Jesus, said it wasn't in the Supper. So the Lutherans were fighting the theological battle on both, on both sides, like a man holding two swords. On this side was the Roman Catholic Church and their, and their authority to add to the Bible's teaching and their teachings which took away from Jesus the privilege of being the sole Savior of man. And on this other side were the Zwinglians and the Anabaptists and the Radical Reformation and John Calvin and all the others with their teaching that took away from Jesus His privilege of having His body and blood in the bread and wine for our forgiveness and all these other false doctrines. Did you know, and this might be a curious fact for you, that Luther wrote more about the Lord's Supper than he did about anything else. He wrote about the Lord's Supper more than indulgences. I mean, he barely wrote about indulgences at all. More than the Pope. More than, uh, more than baptism. More than the church. More than anything else. And the reason was because this doctrine was being attacked. And Luther understood the Supper was the Gospel. That from this altar was Jesus for me forgiving my sins. Here's a story, one of my favorites. At the end of his life, uh, Luther was traveling from Wittenberg up to Eisleben. Eisleben was the town where Luther was born and baptized, but maybe he was six or nine months when his family moved from Eisleben. Uh, so he hardly lived there at all. But he was traveling at the end of his life back to Eisleben to settle the dispute between two princes, two brothers who were fighting. And it took him a while to get there, but finally he did get there and they, he did spend a few weeks settling the dispute and then he died there uh, in Eisleben. 
Uh, and his body was taken back to Wittenberg and all this sort of stuff. But as he was going, crowds would follow him. I mean, Luther was a celebrity already at, in his time. I mean, early in his life, he was a celebrity. And by the end of his life, you know, people would flock to hear him. And he'd go into the churches as they travel. And he'd go into the uh, pulpit and he'd preach a sermon. And they'd celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as Luther is on this last trip from Wittenberg to Eisleben, he goes to celebrate in one of the churches along the way, the Lord's Supper. Uh, and as he's helping with the distribution of the Lord's Supper... His hands are shaking as he's giving out the Lord's blood. And some of the Lord's blood spills on the ground. And Luther, to everyone's astonishment, goes down on his hands and his knees and drinks the Lord's blood off the floor. It was said that not only could you hear a pin drop, but that you could hear the tears fall. And if there's not a better story than this, I don't, I don't know what a better story would be to show that this is what the Reformation was about. Not about Luther. No, not about Luther. But about Jesus. But about His, his cross, His death, and His resurrection, <clears throat> His gifts to us in His supper, that He still feeds you that He still gives you to drink about Jesus who opened your grave. The devil hates this. And he didn't stop raging when Luther died. Still, his fiery darts fly. For 500 years now, the darts of the devil have flown around, and perhaps now we have more false teachers on our hands than we ever had. The mystics are teaching that we become one with God through our own experiences, apart from God's Word and sacraments. Everywhere we turn, we're taught that we need to make a decision for Christ, and not that what matters is that Jesus has made a decision for us. Whenever we hear teachers flying around out there, no matter where we look, we see that the law is emphasized more than the gospel, that the Christian is preached more than Christ. And it seems like if you were to take all of this together, the sum total of modern theology is that God is a nice guy who wants above all that we would be happy. But the Scriptures have more. The Bible teaches more. In the church, we ought to hear more that God is a man who was nailed to a cross for you and that this God-man Jesus loves you with a love so fierce and with a love so strong that he continues to beat back the devil. He continues to keep his word and his teaching pure. He continues to give you faith that acts like a shield to quench all of the devil's fiery darts. He continues to guard and protect his church for the sake of his doctrine, for the sake of his truth for the sake of His gospel, for your sake, and for your salvation.
A mighty fortress is our God. A trusty shield and weapon. He helps us free from every need that hath us now or taken. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not as equal. With might of ours cannot be done. Soon were our loss effected. But for us fights the valiant one whom God himself elected. As she who is this? Jesus Christ. It is of Sabaoth Lord. There is none other God. He holds the field. Forever. Though devils all the world should fill, eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill. They cannot overpower us. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. The word they still shall let remain. Nor any thanks have for it. He, Jesus, is by our side upon the plain with His good gifts and spirit. And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, they yet have nothing won. Let these all be gone. The kingdom ours remaineth. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.